Okay, Oklahoma is 2-0. The Sooners beat SMU in Norman in a defensive battle, to say the least. That is not something that I thought I would be saying today as we're talking about this game and recapping it. But Oklahoma wins it in a defensive battle. What everybody expected, 28-11. to And in all honesty, I think this is one of the best defensive performances that we've seen out of the Sooners in a long, long time. OU fans should be happy with the outcome of this game. Obviously, there are definitely things that you can take away from this game, learn from, improve on as the week goes on. But Oklahoma improves the 2-0. They cover the spread, which championship teams, they just cover that's what they do. Not saying Oklahoma is a championship team yet, but if you want to get to that level, you got to start with the small things. Covering is a small thing. But before we dive into it, before we talk about the game, I want to hear what y'all's thoughts are. So jump down in the comments below. Give me y'all's thoughts on what you think about the OU win over SMU. Additionally, if you haven't already, go ahead and hit that like, hit that subscribe button. Jump down in the comments below. If you are listening to this on any of the podcast platforms, make sure to give me five stars, leave me a review, or if you're able to do that, I'm not in tune with those, but would love to have you guys be a part of it over there as well. So 28 to 11, that was the final score. We saw Oklahoma score in every quarter but the third quarter. So seven in the first, seven in the second, 14 in the fourth, and zero in the third wasn't the prettiest performance from an offensive standpoint. But we'll start with the defensive side of the ball because that was the side of the ball that I think not only impressed me, but impressed other people as well. And you've got to start out with Danny Stutzman's 17 total tackles. Yes, you heard me say that right. 17 total tackles. He had five solos, one sack, and two and a half tackles for loss. Danny Stutzman was flying all over the field. If you had any questions on whether Danny Stutzman would improve from last season to this season, the past three games that Danny Stutzman has played in, dating back to the Florida State game, will give you every indication of what he can be in a Brent Venables defense. Not to mention, you had a guy in Kip Lewis who everybody has talked really highly of this kid. The freshman out of Carthage, Texas. Everybody's talked really highly about him. Last year, he only had two total tackles. Didn't get to see the field a whole lot. This year, last last game, twelve total or nine total tackles. He has twelve on the season. He had four solos, but Kip Lewis was making an impact on the defense. That would have not been the person that I would have said in a pregame instance, that would have said, hey, this guy will likely have the second most tackles on the team. So you look at the linebacker room, and you look at how deep it is. It's more than just three guys deep. You've got Stutzman. You've got Kip Lewis. You've got Kanak. At some point or another, we're going to see Kobe McKenzie in a big role. And it's kind of just, we're waiting for that coming out party for Kobe McKenzie. Like, we're waiting for that. And then you have... Omusigo, you have Lewis Carter, you have Picciotti. Also, a guy by the name of Shane Witter, who is lightning fast. So, yeah, you're not three deep. You're probably five or six deep at that position. And then 
you look at the secondary. Secondary did not have their best game of the week. They definitely didn't. But remember, in the pregame preview that we did, I said if you could keep SMU under 250 passing yards and keep them under 100 rushing yards, you feel good with that. Well, to put it in perspective, Preston Stone threw for 250 passing yards. Only one touchdown. Now, he did throw an interception as well. So, we could look at it and say, hey, this secondary, they did what they needed to. And in reality, Preston Stone didn't have the most accurate day, 26-45. Now, a lot of that could be given up to the defensive line, who constantly was applying pressure to Preston Stone, flushing him out of the pocket, not getting sacks, but they were applying pressure. You saw Preston Stone constantly throwing off that back foot, constantly throwing it out of bounds. You like that pressure. And then not to mention, you see the receivers beat the secondary late in the game, and you see Key Lawrence come up and get a strip fumble. And Key Lawrence was your third leading tackler. At seven tackles, six solos, and one tackle for loss. Key Lawrence coming up. He's helping the run. So, although the secondary didn't look as sharp as maybe we've made them out to be all season, you still like with what you have out of Key Lawrence and Woody Washington and Bowman in for 100% certain Bowen. Now, Bowen did have that pass interference call. So, obviously, Bowen's out there making freshman mistakes. But the kid is so athletic, it's hard to keep him off the field. Just like Darren Kanak, right? Darren Kanak had a mistake, too. But why would you take him off the field because of a mistake? He's so athletic, you want him out there. He makes your defense better, even if he messes up every once in a while. Now, I look at the defensive line, and when we talked about the most in impactful transfers for Oklahoma this past season. We talked about Rondell Bothroyd on the edge from Wake Forest. And you've really been able to see it over the past two games. But Rondell Bothroyd is really helping anchor down this defensive line. And put it in perspective, he had four total tackles, one solo. So I really like what we're seeing out of Rondell Bothroyd. I think he is going to be an extremely good piece for this defensive line, and you're only going to see Rondell Bothroyd towards the top by the end of the season. Now, you look at Jonah Laulu, you're still seeing what you expected out of him, what he was giving you last season. Ethan Downs. as I don't understand the reason why people don't like Ethan Downs. Three total tackles. Ethan Downs goes out there and he fights and he scraps every single game. And that's the kind of guy that you need on this team. That's the kind of guy you need on this defensive line. And mind you, if it wasn't for a face mask, Ethan Downs would have probably had a sack. Because Ethan Downs had Preston Stone in the backfield. Which means in two games, he would have had two sacks. And Danny Stutzman had one this game. But last game, everybody was like, well, Oklahoma didn't get enough sacks. Well, guess what? The only guy that got a sack last game was the Ethan Downs. The guy who nobody likes for some reason. Which absolutely baffles me. So our Mason Thomas looked good. We talked about him a lot. 
when you had him coming off the edge and you had Rondell Bothroyd on one side and you had R. Mason Thomas on the other or Trace Ford or P.J. Adebayore. So you really feel good? You really feel confident about this defensive line? Holding SMU to 116 rushing yards? Which, if we go up here and we look at their average carry, was 3.4 on the average rushing. If Oklahoma can continue to keep teams under four yards average a carry all season, then this has been a complete success. And you would imagine that this Oklahoma defense will probably be a top 30 defense at that point. Because I don't think you're going to continue to see the secondary... I'm not going to say have as many problems as they did last week because I'm not going to act like it was that bad. But you're not going to see them give up as many plays as they did last week. You're just not going to see that. So I saw an interesting stat after the game. I really wanted to talk about it to kind of hone in on, one, the competitive depth that the staff has talked so much about, but two, just how good this defense have played. And it's SMU has had a top scoring, a top 15 scoring offense nationally in each of the last four seasons. So think about that. Last four seasons, they've been in the top 15 in scoring offense. In any of those years, they probably would have scored as, never scored as few as 11 points. Tonight's 11 point output is their lowest scoring game since 2017. So I want you to think about that for a minute. This is their lowest performance in terms of an offensive standpoint, since 2017. 2017. That sounds pretty good to me. Sounds like the defense went out there and did more than what we expected for them to go out there and do. Right? That's at least what it sounded like. So looking at the offensive side of the ball, man, are Oklahoma fans spoiled. Because I get it. Oklahoma goes out there, they score 45 a game. They've put out Heisman winners upon Heisman winners. Number one draft picks at the quarterback position. And then you go out there and you drop a deuce like this where you only put up 28 points. But you really try to go out there and establish the rushing game. Like, I don't feel like a lot of people understood that. Jeff Lebby and this staff, they're trying to establish the rushing game. And I feel like they're trying to see what do they have in the running game outside of Gavin Sawchuck and Javante Barnes. Now, is Gavin Sawchuck and Javante Barnes not as healthy as we think? I have no idea. But there, there's probably a really good reason on why they're running the ball as much as they are. But hats off to Tawi Walker. 117 yards on 21 carries on a 5.6-yard average. Hey, dude's hard to bring down. So... You look at the Oklahoma rushing attack, 189 yards total. Marcus Major, eight carries, 39 yards. He's the guy that put the game away with that score. Dylan Gabriel, eight yards for 20, or eight carries for 20 yards. I think one thing that's important to know with Dylan Gabriel is you're starting to see the staff be a little bit more loose with him in terms of letting him lower the shoulder, right? You know, you didn't get to see that last year because he didn't have any quarterback. So that, that tells you what kind of confidence and how they feel about Jackson Arnold when they're allowing Dylan Gabriel to just be free. But I'm not concerned about the offense. 
Here's my reason why. I know some people are. I'm going to tell you why I'm not. When Oklahoma decided that they wanted to pass the ball, they passed the ball at will. Dylan Gabriel only had 176 yards, six and a half yard average, but he had four touchdowns at that position. And when you watched him and he was able to throw the ball, which by the way, off topic, throwing the ball in the middle, something we haven't seen in a while, dumping it off to Andrell Anthony. Uh, I believe Blake Smith had one in the middle too. You like you, you like to see a little bit more of that, so I'm not worried about it because when you they needed to turn it on through the passing game, they were able to do it. So that tells you how talented these wide receivers are, and how talented Dylan Gabriel is. But I think it's important that you can establish some sort of running game before you get into games like SMU, because Jay brought it up last night on the stream that we were on, and. Or uh, not SMU, Cincinnati. How did Alabama beat Cincinnati in the playoffs? Throwing the ball down their throat. That's what Oklahoma needs to do here. So I think it's important you establish this. You get Tawi Walker integrated in because he's a hard guy to tackle. Some point or another, Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck, they're going to come back and they're going to be absolute monsters at this position. And then I feel like this offense is just going to be rolling. But it's important that we learn to take it slow sometimes on offense. You don't have to go a million miles a minute. You don't have to score fast. Because when you score fast, your defense goes back out on the field, and you end up in the same position that you were last year in the years with Lincoln Riley. Honestly, Lincoln Riley's defense probably wouldn't be as bad as it is statistically if he wouldn't put the defense out there as much as he does. If he would just slow his offense down a little bit more, give the time to give the defense a break. Now, the defense still ain't good, but that helps. And so I think you're starting to see that with Jeff Lebby and BV. They're trying to come up with this, figure it out now out of conference when you can win these games handily, right? Figure out, hey, how are we going to slow down our offense, still be able to score some points, and give the defense a break? Because you don't want them out there 24-7. Because even with the competitive depth and all the rotating that you see with these defensive linemen, you still need to... You still need to have some clock management there. So, Oklahoma wins 28-11 over SMU. Really good win. And Oklahoma, over the next three games, I'm not going to say you're going to find out a lot about this team, but I feel like Oklahoma is really going to get rolling. Tulsa is going to be an easy win. I believe the line is 26.5 points. So, you want Oklahoma to probably win that game by 30 or 40. And it's going to be a home game for Oklahoma. I mean, there's a lot of OU fans that bought tickets to that game in Tulsa. It's going to be like a home game. And then you turn around, and you go on the road to Cincinnati. And I know some of you don't like my take on it, but that game just has the feel to be a trap game for Oklahoma. Because it's an 11 o'clock game. You're on the road. First Big 12 conference opponent. Hey, Emory Jones hasn't looked terrible. I know he didn't look like stellar against Pitt. But, you know, in years history, this is the same quarterback that Oklahoma would make look like Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl. So, for me, I want to see Oklahoma go out there and take care of business where in years prior, they probably wouldn't have taken care of this game. 
And I believe every OU fan is probably on the same page as me right there. That's what you want to see out of this team. You should be able to easily beat Tulsa, and you should be able to easily beat Iowa State. I don't think Iowa State's that good at all. Iowa State's got a lot of problems. Cincinnati's going to be a little bit more of a test. Maybe for your defense. Not as much for your offense. And then you got Texas. Texas just beat Alabama. That's going to be the game that we all circle and we go, yeah, we're going to know. We're going to know what problems we have on the defense. We're going to know how bad this secondary is or how good it is. We're going to know how good or how bad this off or this defensive line is. And then vice versa on the offensive side, you're going to find out how good your offensive line is because that Texas defensive line ate that Alabama offensive line. And remember, this is an Alabama offensive line that we talked about had an average of like over 330 in like 6'5", 6'5", 330, average offensive lineman. Yeah. So it's going to be a tough test for Oklahoma. It's not going to be an easy one. But the Red River Showdown is going to be one that we all have on our calendars circled. It's going to be a week where we can learn a lot about this team. But luckily, you'll have a bye week after Texas before you have to play UCF at home. So give you time to recover. Give you time to fix the mistakes. And then you go into the home run stretch. So, I mean, like I said, even if you only lose to Texas, at this point, you look at everybody else below Texas on Oklahoma's schedule. Is it safe to say that Oklahoma probably should win all of those games? I mean, could they go 11-1? and one? Yeah. It's probably pretty likely at this point. TCU does not look good. My God, BYU looked awful. Oklahoma State, <laughs> what do you need to say about them? Almost losing to an FCS team. Kansas and UCF might be your biggest threats. And it ain't a big one. Now, for Oklahoma, they've struggled against the mobile quarterback in the past. So maybe Kansas gives them a little bit more of a fit. I don't know. I'm excited to watch that KU versus Texas game, though. Before Oklahoma, that would be interesting. So, guys, I want to hear from you. I want to hear what y'all's thoughts are. Oklahoma beats SMU 28-11. to You see the defensive line play well once again. Yes, they don't get the sacks, but they're still applying pressure. They keep the run game at bay for SMU. Not to mention on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, you saw Savion Bird make some mistakes, but this offensive line still looked pretty good. And you got to see Dylan Gabriel throw the ball through the middle of the field. So, hey, they're bringing that back. They can still do it. You love to see it. You love to see all the touchdown passes. In Oklahoma, they look pretty good this season. But we're going to hold our reservations. We're, 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 we're going to wait till after Texas to make to really get on the bandwagon of, hey, where's Oklahoma going this season? So, guys, I want to hear from you. Jump down in the comments below. Let me know what y'all's thoughts are. If you're listening to this on any of the podcast platforms, Google, Apple, Spotify, leave me five stars. Leave me a review. Share this with a friend. Helps get the podcast out there. Helps me bring you guys more content. Keep your guys out, eyes out. We're going to be bringing more content later this week on recruiting. Guys that were on campus for Oklahoma and where we're sitting with those. Because Oklahoma's got a commitment up coming up for a four-star defensive lineman out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, love to see you guys be a part of it. Until next time, Boomer.